Welcome to Disruption Dialogues Podcast Season 2. Listen to the influential leaders and trailblazers from around the world as they share invaluable insights to navigating the fifth industrial revolution. Hello and welcome to another episode of Disruption Dialogues Season 2. I'm Sarwan Singh, President and Chief Commercial Officer at Markets & Markets. Today, I'm in conversation with Tim Van Amstel, CEO at Eon One. Eon One is a young, perhaps as one could say, a startup within the big conglomerate Eon, and we'll hear more from Tim, what his organization is doing in terms of enabling energy transition. Thank you, Tim, for joining us today. Energy transition is a mega trend, one of the 12 we track that will impact our future world. We in Marcus and Marcus describe the future of energy as the four Ds, decentralization, digitalization, decarbonization, and democratization of energy. So today we are diving into the second D, fascinating topic of the digitalization of the energy sector. Markets and markets analysts predict a significant increase in global energy investments soaring from about 2.5 trillion today to over 5 trillion by 2030. Additionally, we are on track to transition from relying on approximately 80% fossil fuels today to a renewable energy supply comprising two thirds of the market by 2050. The digital utility market is poised for remarkable growth, expected to reach anywhere between 250 and 300 billion within the next three to five years. Transformative technologies such as big data analytics, machine learning, blockchain, distributed energy resource management, cloud computing are fueling this growth. These innovations will play a crucial role in addressing critical challenges faced by the energy sector, such as intermittency, aging power grids, managing distribution connected generation, managing consumer self-generation, and effectively handling the increasing complexity of energy systems. So, Tim, my first question to you, Tell us a little bit about Eon One. I know about Eon, um, but tell us a little bit about Eon One and what is the agenda that you have? I'm happy to do so. So uh, first of all, Eon One is a brand new company under the Eon Group umbrella. I think a lot of people know Eon as a relatively large utility. We are quite a big utility, uh, which has a split uh, focus between grid and, and retail, and retail also entails uh, e-mobility, energy infrastructure solution, and the energy supply business. But now we actually have a third pillar, and that is Eon One. And Eon One fully focuses on digital, on software. And we believe that on the one hand, Eon has a lot of internal developed technology, uh, which is really cutting edge, um, able to enable the energy transition, which we need to share much more outside of EON, so with third parties on one end. In addition to that, we also believe there's a lot of technology out there which we should bring even faster within the EON organization. So EON One, as a company, in its simplest form, is a software company uh, with, a, with the main goal to actually sell software externally, fully digital, all related to the energy transition. Thank you, Tim. So why set up Eon as a subsidiary and not a team or a department? Uh, normally, you know, digital is everywhere now. So what's the rational and thinking about doing so? And what kind of growth do you see for yourself in the market? Um, I think I think it would be good to also take a bit of a step back if you look at Eon as an organization, because I think one of what, what I personally really like about one of the most important decisions that Eon has taken is to actually have a full-time board member responsible for digital. So we have Dr. Victoria Satnik. She's there since April 2021 um, and fully responsible for digital from a centralized point of view. 
So it's not linked to a certain business, but it's business overarching. I think that in itself was already quite a big and important decision for EOM uh, and simply states that we do take digitization very serious. Um, and that is number one. Uh, number two, um, so why have we actually separate? Why have we actually set up a separate entity? Well, um, dealing with software is different than being a utility, right? Of course, we use technology, but developing our own technology and then actually bringing that out to the market, selling it externally, further expanding it is a different game. And we believe that it's best suited to do that in a, a standalone own entity with its own PL responsibility. So also make sure that you do in the end realize sustainable growth. Um, but fully focus on that mission to digitize uh, the energy sector and enable the energy transition. I totally agree with it. And it's quite forward looking for Eon to have a board member of digitalization. I think that's the way forward in every board, if you ask me, in my opinion. Um, yeah. The digital transformation, especially with the shift towards now general AI, just, you know, it just shows you the importance of doing it. So maybe one other question, just digressing a little bit. You, 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 you know, our analysts describe the future of energy as the four Ds, which I mentioned in my my opening speech. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about. Do you agree with that definition? And um, anything, any opinion from your side? Yeah, I fully agree. I think what do you see that as? Uh, let's say, um, are they let are they are they the crucial ones or the key trends? I, I fully believe in them to start with that, right? Uh, decentralization, hundred percent, right? This is a, in my view, more like a key trend that we are seeing. And also a result of the energy transition, because it is simply the it is simply true that is this fundamental shift now happening from a more centralized conventional generation to much more distributed uh, renewable assets, which only produce energy when there's either wind or solar or or differently. And so then I'm fully with you. Uh, same with digitization. I think I, I it on the one hand, I, I don't yet see digitization as a key trend. And this is what we as a company try to change. Right. Um, but I do believe it is crucial for success. Without digitization, we are unable to overcome the main challenges. I think it is really crucial to, to actually apply digitization. Um, with regards to decarbonization, um, again, uh, fully linked to energy transition. Uh, we need to act now. We need to change now. Um, but it's not an easy journey, and I think a lot of people start realizing that because uh, we still work in a relatively old system, uh, an old energy system, which is not fully fit for the future yet. And then digitization again comes in. You need to digitize in order to decarbonize. Um, a bit regards to de uh, democratization, that's not one I, I generally mention. I always, use, I always use more like say electrification is a key trend. I also see that as, an, as a one. It's a bit linked to all three others. But for me, electrification is an, actually a very important trend that we are seeing. Um, and in my view, also crucial um, for enabling the energy transition because we shift much more away from gas, uh, particularly than uh, change to electrical energy, uh, which is the easiest uh, to produce, let's say, in a sustainable way and also allow uh, decarbonization. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm fully with you, uh, but uh, de uh, democratization, I, I think I know what you mean. I'm, I'm actually, I do like it, though, I must say. So it makes me think maybe I should use it too. Uh, but I generally always use electrification. Yeah. So I think what, what we mean by democratization is, you know, uh, enabling and developing 
energy transition solutions which are more localized. You know, for example, uh, let's take the Middle East. You know, it's full mm -hmm. of um, solar energy. Uh, likewise, you know, you go to north of England and you've got so much wind. So I think that's what we mean is, and, and then having that local public participation in it. But I'm glad you mentioned electrification. I'm an electrical engineer. And when I <laughs> passed out, I thought I don't have a future anymore because the whole world was shifting towards the digital. But I'm glad to see that we do have a future. Um, moving on, Tim, uh, how do you define digital? Um, and we define it as the power to create new architectures of interconnected energy systems. Do you agree with that definition? And what is your definition of digital transformation of the energy industry? Um, yeah, I think the way you described it, that fits quite well. Um, I, I'm fully with you. Um, I always say that digital is the enabler of the energy transition. I keep it even much simpler because I think there's no way to achieve a, a fast energy transition without uh, the digitization. And of course, the complexity is if you dive more into the details, if you dive more into either the supply, the demand or the transport side, uh, every single segment has its own challenges, uh, which require a certain, let's say, uh, a digitization. If you look at, if you would ask me, in the short term, what is needed? In the short term, we really need to make sure that we digitize all these symbols, these single segments first. And then if we've done that, then you can actually solve the next big challenge, the next big challenge of being able to make sure that these segments interconnect uh, digitally. Um, and that's another topic I'm sure we will put a touch upon is what I call flexibility. Uh, but I think in itself, I think the way you describe digitization is definitely key. However, what what I always realize, what a lot of people don't realize, is what does digitization mean? Uh, and actually, it sounds, it actually already starts with the basics. If you're operating a grid, to give you a very specific example, um, which is not at all digital, um, you're stuck and you have quite a big problem because, um, well, a lot of people see them just as, simply as, as cables and transformers, but you need to be able to continuously measure what actually flows through these cables, what flows through the transformers. And if something changes, or if millions of actually connection points are changing their electricity production or, 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 or offtake, you need to be able to directly calculate that. Um, but if you are still operating in a grid, which is working on so-called on-premise uh, data storage, which means doesn't operate a grid in the cloud, you need to actually fulfill a certain amount of steps first, until you can look at the bigger game. What I mean with that, a lot of people say, well, if you really want to know and understand what flows to the grid, just put a sensor in there. So I said, well, buying a sensor is easy. It's all commodity. You can easily buy it from the market. But a sensor generates such a large amount of real-time data that you need to store. And the amount of sensors that you need to apply is so incredibly huge that the amount of data is even bigger than what one single sensor would already generate. So digitization on the one hand is also creating the foundation, a digital, what we call backbone for, for example, the grid uh, that is able to deal with data. That is one. And secondly, on the base of that data, start to do even more complex calculations and handling that as well uh, and, 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 and support a, a even much more complex use cases. Thank you, Tim. And Tim, what elements of digitalization of the energy transition do you see as having the most potential, the most growth? Um, yeah, I always split that actually more into a customer type of segment. 
I think already mentioned grid. Grid digitization is a very big, big and important trend. Uh, this is a huge growth area. Um, secondly, I believe the so-called HEMS market, home energy management systems market. So if you are a homeowner, if you have PV, a smart meter, um, um, if you have a, a home storage battery and also an electric car and maybe even a heat pump, you need to be able to control that. That's what we call a home energy management system. Um, I really believe that this market will really skyrocket in the upcoming period. Uh, then thirdly, uh, e-mobility is, of course, a big trend. I think nobody uh, um, well, denies that, right? Uh, more and more electric cars coming on, on onto the roads and electric chargers created quite quite big peak demands in the grid, uh, right, to charge them. Um, then more overarching um, uh, flexibility, so being able to match supply of energy and demand of energy better together, real time. Um, fifthly, uh, uh, the heating space, because a lot of people somehow, sometimes, some, somehow forget about that, because we still have a lot of uh, heating grids, for example, in Germany, but also in East Europe. Um, and these are, uh, let's say, well-established heating grids. Uh, so it's it's not easy to just build there something new, and they also need to be de decarbonized. I believe that is also a great, a quite important growth um, area. And, and last but not least, but that's more general, energy management systems in itself. Um, so if you operate, let's say, multiple sites across multiple countries, you somehow need to be able to monitor, steer the energy, predict what is happening, and then be able to control it better and save energy. Thank you, Tim. Tim, um, in, uh, do you operate in all four elements of the energy sector, which is generation, transmission, distribution, retail? And tell us a little bit about key products in each each of the uh, elements. Um, I'm happy to do so. I think I think so. First of all, our company doesn't exist that long, right? We legally we just uh, let, we just celebrated our one year anniversary as EO one in June. So we legally exist for a little bit longer than one year. Uh, maybe as a, as a bit of a disclaimer. And secondly, we well setting up a new entity in the EON group is of course not easy because you need to fulfill to certain, let's say, requirements of security. Um, so it takes a bit of time to have the entity up and running and have fully operational. That took us some months. And then I think in November, we went out to the market telling people that we exist and what our mission is, that we want to enable the energy transition via digitization. Um, so let's say I always tell people we are, we are running around now a little bit longer than, let's say, half a year. Uh, and as a result, we start building up what we call an ecosystem of digital products. Um, right now, um, we are active in, uh, let's say, three what we call sub-segments uh, in terms of grid connection, uh, grid operations, and energy management system in its broadest term. And this is currently our focus. I say currently because our mission is to actually enable the energies, energy transition in its broadest form. Um, so we look into, let's say, additional technology, additional products, um, in order to expand our ecosystem of, of products uh, and help big, large utilities with their most, with the biggest problems. Um, and to coming back on your question, uh, can you give us some examples of, of products that we're currently bringing out to the market? Um, it might make sense I explain a bit more detail how we build up the ecosystem, because we have, I think, a, a three-way approach. Either we develop our own technology, we build our own products with our own engineering and development teams, or actually we buy technology out of the market. Uh, and then I mean acquiring uh, startups or scale-ups. Or thirdly, we partner with uh, technology providers. We, for example, see amazing tech providers who are already active in different industry, but not yet in the energy industry. And if we see, um, let's say, the, the use case for the energy industry, 
uh, we get in contact and we consider to partner with the party and then roll out the technology in the energy industry. So that's the way we do our business. So to give you some examples of the product that we're selling in these three categories, if you look uh, maybe easiest to the, let's say the buy side, we have so far acquired three companies. Uh, one is called Gridix, active in the home energy management space. Um, um, they are um, uh, you, right now, European, I would dare to say European market leader in the HEMS space. Why they've built the protocols to connect to any type of different brand or device to make actually to to make it steerable in the home of a house owner. Why is that? On the one hand, to just optimize for self-consumption, and later on, if you have a so-called dynamic tariff, that means you you pay a different price per quarter for your electricity, then you can even um, flexibly steer the household and um, and even help solving the issues in the grid and get. Um, are remunerated for that as a household owner. So I think that is what one example of, of the company that we acquired called Gridix. What Gridix also does is what we call dynamic load management for, um, for uh, uh, CPOs, charge point operators. So if you build a large fast charging station, uh, you need to dynamically, let's say, distribute your load to the cars that are at that moment charged, uh, charging to make sure they're not overrunning the grid capacity. The grid capacity. So that is Gridix. Uh, second solution, um, Envelio, this is a company that required, they've built uh, really an amazing so-called digital twin of the grid, a so-called yeah, electrical power flow model of the grid that is able to, let's say, ca calculate on a real-time basis um, the electricity flows to the grid. So in my view, and also a very important cornerstone for the energy transition, and, and while they have done that, while they've built this digital twin of the grid, they can also fully automate the grid connection requests uh, for DSOs. So um, that is, the, let's say, that's the second example I would love to highlight. And, and thirdly, we recently acquired a company called Elva. Uh, Elva is active in the e-mobility space. They've built an amazing app, which we actually want to sell as a SaaS solution to others, because a lot of parties would love to offer e-mobility to the market. Uh, but right now, they don't have technology to do that, to have a proper app, uh, app that they can offer. Uh, so that's another one. Um, that is category one of what we acquired. Uh, second category, we also build our solutions ourselves. Um, and to give you maybe two examples, because right now we are marketing six products, and that's maybe do two details <laughs> to, to explain all in detail. I can give you two examples. Uh, one product is called Brightfield. Brightfield is actually a data acquisition system for what we call secondary transformer stations. You know, these, these concrete buildings in the streets, which yeah. actually have a transformer. Um, what is interesting about that, um, we have millions of transformers in Europe, but more than, I dare to say, more than 90% is, is fully offline. So how do you know that the transformer is, broke, is, is broken? Because at least three people in the surroundings call the distribution grid operator that they don't have electricity, right? And can you imagine in the current world, is that where we need to be? I would say not, right? So you need yeah. to bring these transformers online. But we have actually, feel, actually within E.ON, we have found two amazing people who have, let's say, somewhere built an amazing solution for that, um, what is called Brightfield. And it's actually measuring the magnetic fields in the transformer station without touching the cables. And by doing that, it can automatically translate that into the so-called, uh, in the power curves. So you know, um, the amount of power that goes to the, to the station. But well, since the, when they install the, the 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 data acquisition system, they also put other sensors on there. So they actually also measure vibrations, light, noise, gases, and actually much more. 
and they use all of that data to simply actually um, conclude what is happening in the transformer station when something goes wrong uh, to interact or to simply understand there are, if there are a lot of electric cars charging overnight and the, and the transformer is not cooling down anymore, that at least they have a view and they are aware of that. So that is a solution that is actually fully, and that I'm actually, actually very proud of because that is a fully in-house built solution by E.ON. So it's a hardware software combination. It's a data acquisition system, but the complexity lies in the data. And we might touch upon that later as well. It generates 280 data points per second. And that's a lot for the people that don't know that. It's really a lot. Uh, per transformer. So can you imagine if you would um, make the city of Munich online with a couple of hundred transformer stations, then you generate more traffic or data than Twitter does worldwide, right? This is the, the example that we always give, and that's only one city. Uh, but this solution has been completely built in-house by our own team, and I'm really proud of that, and we are bringing that out to the market now. Why? You can install it in 20 minutes, and, and it really helps. It really helps the energy transition because you need to know what electricity flows through that to see where the problem rises. Um, second example, um, a product called Optimum. Um, Optimum is able to do energy management uh, of what we call multi-sites. So if you are a retailer, uh, let's say, for example, a big shopping chain or a supermarket chain with multiple um, locations across one, two or three countries, you need to be, you need to know how much energy is used per location. And you want to have a very simple solution, which first of all, um, let's say, connects and monitors the energy. And then uh, thirdly, also is able to, let's say, predict and give you advice how you can save energy. And if the average energy consumption per site completely differs from another, something is go something is wrong there. Uh, and for that, we also have uh, built a solution, which are now rolling out in, let's say, in some countries. Um, I can continue for a bit longer, but uh, it's not a sales pitch. So, <laughs> uh, but at least I truly believe that the all solution that we have picked for some kind of reason, for some in some kind of way, they do and they actually do help in the energy transition. And this is in line with what our focus is. Very interesting, Tim. Well, I like the, the analogy between the Twitter and Transformer. I don't know if you read recently, Elon Musk wants to change the sign of the uh, Bluebird on the Twitter. Yep. Maybe you should put a Transformer there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tim, earlier you talked about flexibility. Uh, and you use that word, and I know when we talked earlier, you talked about it a couple of times. What do you mean by flexibility market? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, the flexibility market, it's a, quite a tough topic. Sorry, I take a bit of water here. Uh, yeah, if we talk about the flexibility market, it's, it's a quite a broad, a, broad, a broad used term. Because um, <clears throat> if I talk about flexibility, um, I mean the challenges that arise from the key trends in the grid and the, or the supply and demand side. So key trend, we already discussed that in the supply side, much more decentralized uh, energy producers, so-called DERs, uh, decentralized energy resources. They produce electricity in a quite a volatile way, only when there's wind, only when there's sun. Uh, on the other side, you have, let's say, <clears throat> the um the users of the energy so the the b2c the, the consumers or the industry or the companies um and their let's say the patterns of energy let's say usage also change because if you are a household with solar panel on your roof you most probably are actually producing electricity around lunchtime if you don't have a home battery uh, for storage um and if you have an electric car you most probably uh, charge that car when you come back from work uh, which is between five and seven um, during the day, a PM, 
which is the most tough time for the energy market to uh, actually supply users. <laughs> exactly. It's really peak time. And also this is when the price is high. So um, that doesn't make sense, to put it very simple. Um, so on the one hand, you have the, let's say, the supply side with a much more volatile, unpredictable, well, it is predictable, but not steerable, let's say, a generation of electricity due to the renewables. And on the other hand, you have, let's say, the consumers who have a complete different offtake pattern. The challenge lies, and, and or let's say the solution lies in digitization. You can only solve that problem if it becomes even bigger via digitization. So you need to continuously match supply and demand. Um, I once worked at least at energy trading or as a trader. Well, there I learned a lot about energy market, but let's say in the so-called day ahead market, the day before delivery, supply and demand need to be 100% balanced, right? Uh, so if you are a supplier, you, you indicate how much you produce, and let's say the off-takers on aggregated level tell how much they will consume. That needs to be matched. But that is all theory, and then the day itself happens, and then you see if there's no wind, if the, of, the, of a big cloud's coming by, then everything changes. And these changes are happening more and more often, so you need to be able to directly act and interact on that. So uh, on the one hand, the suppliers need to con con continuously adjust, but also the demand side needs to continuously adjust. Um, and, and so if I talk about flexibility, for me, for me, that means the flexibility market. So being able to keep the system in balance by, via a, di a digitally playing there on both sides. That's good, Tim. Thank you. Uh, Tim, let's change topics a little bit. Let's talk about this new fact these days about chat GPT and generative AI. Yeah. Uh, we in markets and markets see this as a 15 billion uh, market by, by 2028, growing rapidly. We also mm -hmm. see a number of use cases uh, within your sector, like analyzing customer behavior, grid optimization, similar simulation. You mentioned things like forecasting, including pricing forecasting. Um, tell us a little bit about what use cases of, of general AI do you see within the energy sector? And, and then the important question I have is, how do you make money from it? But, you know, it's great to have these use cases and AI can solve it, but how, how do you monetize them? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm happy to give you some examples. So, and let's start with my, the most, let's say, precious topic there is, again, the grid. Because I've already explained what does digitization in the grid means. For me, it means you need to be able first to create a foundation of digitization, which is able to handle data. So if, but, and once you have that, you can start measuring. If you start measuring, you create data, you store data. And as I think most of the listeners know, um, if you talk about AI, you need to have historic data. A lot of historic data analyzed already in order to be able to predict what is happening in the future. So step number one in the grid is you need Create, create a digital foundation, create historical data, put measurements everywhere. And then on that basis, you can actually start predict the future much better. And you can easily combine it with, let's say, other, let's say, data sources like weather data, which allows you to, 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 to estimate how much, how much electricity is produced via PV panels, the large, the large one open in the field, but also the ones from households. And also you can use the data from, let's say, the uh, charging stations at homes but also the public ones the fast charges to allow what the, what what let's say what what pressure there arises on the grid so once you have all of the data you are able to forecast what we call congestion congestion means that the grid is full right that there's flowing too much electricity through the cable itself one of the issues right now is that the amount of congestion simply arises 
but also changes every second. Um, if you actually have AI with a lot of historical data, you will be able to predict congestion and then, let's say, act upon that. So what would that mean? If there's congestion arise in one specific, let's say, city in a country, and uh, make sure that, let's say, all uh, providers or consumers of electricity get a signal, get an incentive to either change their demand uh, or, uh, or another way, or increase, let's say, production. Uh, there are different ways to do that. So, so for me, AI is the base in the grid to simply uh, prevent congestion in the future to happen. Why is that important? Because we won't be able to put more and more cables in there. We're running, we're running at full speed. At least if I talk to grid operators, they're all running at full speed to get more cables into the ground, but that has a limit. And therefore the solution lies there in digitization. So this is why I believe AI can really help the grid to predict what congestion happens when. That is one example. Another, let's say, bit of an other complete different example is um, if you look at the retailers, what, what during the Ukraine war, what happened, uh, the, the call centers of energy suppliers really, let's say, were overwhelmed by the phone calls they were getting. People were concerned, people want to understand their bill, want to have issues with paying or, or anything else. Um, what is great about that, there's great voiceball technology out there who can actually help already filtering out the easiest questions and answering that by, by AI. Um, so um, I explained to you about our, our business concept. We are now partnering, uh, we will partner with a company who provides that voice bot technology. So if you need to call a energy supplier to give your meter readings, because in Germany we don't have unfortunately that much smart meters yet, um, you can easily do that via a voice bot technology, um, which is fully running on AI. So this is already where we now <coughs> see the trends happening. And there's, I think, a, a second nice example. Um, then um, I think another one I would say, for me, AI is an enabler. That's really how I see it. Um, and I also believe that a lot of companies are looking for enablers. And this is also, of course, a link to a business model. Um, if you're able to really, let's say, predict what the future brings in terms of energy use of energy costs, and as a result, act upon that to either save energy, save CO2 or save costs, um, and let's say companies would be actually willing uh, to buy the technology. Um, and that is the link also to the question about like, how can we make money from that? What we now see is that, let's say, people are, are, are really willing to pay money for it. Because if we make that grid digital, if we really have this real-time monitoring of the grid and predicting what is happening every, every single second, people are willing to pay for it. So it is quite, actually, it is quite an easy model. Um, but of course, you need to get there step by step. Thank you, Tim. I agree with what you said, that all utilities are you know, rushing to put cables in the ground. They're always digging the road in front of my house, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, last question, um, Tim, a little bit more personal to you. Um, you're a young CEO of a, of a young company, as you said. Uh, tell us a little bit about your leadership style and, and what goals do you set for yourself and your team? Um, yeah, definitely love this question. Uh, because it's, it's an important and it's a crucial one. It also links to your earlier question, right? Why have we set up this separate legal entity? Well, we are creating our own company culture to start with. And I believe the success of a company right now in the digital space fully, 100% depends on the people, right? And you can you only can be successful if you can get access to the right digital talents. And what do people now care about? They, key, they care about the company culture. Um, let's say uh, there are people who, who are accepting a much lower salary they could get at other companies 
but actually go for the company culture. In digital, people have already have at least in salary. Uh, they they can say they, they can live with that and they're fine, but they're looking for a bit of a journey. They're looking for an adventure. Look at a company where they feel, let's say, connected to and also have a purpose. Um, so, and that quite lies close to, let's say, my heart. What is my personal goal? I well, I try to create an organization with, let's say, a company culture that's really cool to work with. And of course, we're part of the E.ON group, and E.ON is a utility with a, let's say, certain image. Depends on country, though, and also depends on segment. And we do that differently. So we, we need to attract the right people. Um, and, and therefore, for me, let's say, a personal goal is to create that, that company culture. Um, secondly, and that also ties into, uh, let's say, what you said about the young CEO. As a young CEO, I also have young kids. I have a daughter of two and a son of five, which I'd love to spend a lot of time with. And that's also probably part of my generation. Uh, and but I, but I do like work, right? And I always say to people, for me, work actually is hobby, and I love to spend work on. I would love to spend time on my hobby. Uh, but my kids are actually an even more more important hobby for me. I even like them much more. So for me, the the key challenge is to find the balance and that ties into my personal challenge. My personal goal is always have and find the right balance. I cannot always be away. I miss my kids, they will miss me. So this is something I also try to, let's say, show to the team and see that and show that it's okay. And in my view, it's also part of, let's say, the modern world we currently live in. Uh, this is the only way I think to create a successful business. And we have a lot of people now around us we are in a similar situation. So we create full flexibility, again, flexibility, but then in a different way, also for our employees that, uh, well, we, we do whatever we can, we, we can create to make their life easier and for allowing them also to find the right balance. So that is at least the, 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 the key personal goals for me. And of course, we have, we have also the, the business goals, right? So our main goal is to, in the end, grow revenues. Why? Uh, for a lot of people that sounds strange, oh, we have a purpose, we want to enable the energy transition, and you want to talk about revenues. But for me, extra revenues is a sign that customers like what we do, that we actually do enable them to, to, to master the energy transition. Because if they buy your solution, they simply say, listen, what you're doing makes sense. I would love to have it. You're helping us, right? So for me, let's say growing our revenues is an important, let's say, goal because it's a sign that we do the right thing. And of course, we want to grow fast um, and we want to grow with a team and we want to do that jointly. Um, but as said, right? So it's it's all about finding the right balance uh, because uh, a lot of people are so purpose-driven that they can also be a bit lost, uh, let's say, in work and in trying to achieve their goals. Thank you, Tim. Um, Tim, to summarize, I picked up a couple of words you said. One, you said balance and flexibility. I think that's really come out in the interview very well, and not to mention grid balancing and flexibility in the grid. So thanks for that. And personally, I think what you said, you are in a you are you and your team is taking a journey. It's an adventure. So good luck with it. And thank you very much for today. So here, so this is Savant here just signing off. I was talking to Tim. Um, and I'm still see you at Eon One. Thank you, Tim, once again. Stay tuned for such interesting episodes on Disruption Dialogues. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to know how you can navigate and thrive in this disruptive era, subscribe to Disruption Dialogues on your go-to podcast channels and stay tuned for more interesting episodes.